Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. I believe the Word of God deserves a response. Deserves an amen. All right? This is not the church you left. This is the church you came to. And we're not like the church you left. Maybe we make a noise. So if you want me to... The, the quieter it is, the longer I preach. Amen. Hallelujah. So I need you to talk back to me. All right? At the back. Yes. Hallelujah. So can you do that while I preach? Are you ready for the word? Hallelujah. Repeat after me. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to or turn on your Bibles. We're living in a different world. Uh, turn on your Bibles to Luke 3.16. Now, many of you probably know John 3.16. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But Luke 3.16 is just as important. And so to understand it properly, we need context. And Jesus had a cousin called John the Baptist who had been sent by God to soften the hearts and prepare the way of Jesus' arrival. Now we know that because of Jesus, instead of sin, we have salvation. Where there was wickedness, we now get to worship. But before him, there was just the voice of John the Baptist. And John had an, I would say, expressive ministry because he didn't follow the normal patterns. Everybody was trying to do their teachings in the most influential places, but he didn't do that. He went to the desert in the middle of nowhere. He was kind of like left of Blickystorp out there somewhere. And he lived radically. He ate wild locusts and honey. He wore camel's hair garment. So he was not a fashion icon of his day. But the rumor started spreading that perhaps John was the Messiah himself. And it kept coming back to him. So he said, okay, you know what I need to do? I need to clear this up. Luke 3, 16, John answered them all. I baptize with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Watch this. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and help me out. And, and, come on all of you, and. I am a firm believer in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's not emotionalism. It's not hype. It is a supernatural covenant promise that God gave us on this side of the cross. Amen. It is access to supernatural authority, supernatural anointing. It is walking with God under an open heaven. So I make no excuses about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But John doesn't stop there. He could have. And it would have been fine just to end there. But he says, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So what is the baptism of fire? Different theologians have different answers. I grew up in the 1970s and we used to get smacked around the head. And somebody would say, I should say somebody would shout, fill them with fire, Lord. But that's not the baptism of fire. It is our belief to have a passionate desire for Jesus and for him alone. Jesus above all. And when, I'm being serious, I really believe it. It's where nothing and no one else competes for your attention. 
You have reserved your entire heart for Jesus and his presence and his word and all things kingdom that are there. You never get familiar with, with his presence because there's a fire that is burning on the inside of you that says every single day, I've got to have a fresh encounter with God Almighty. We need the baptism of fire. Come on. Come on, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that nobody is leaving this place today the same in any way. I pray that you would do even more than they are expecting. I say, God, overwhelm us with your presence. May we have moments that mark us for the rest of our lives, starting today and lasting forever. May we be transformed. May this atmosphere be full of faith and hope. I come against every limitation, every restriction and barrier. I come against every lie, every demonic harassment be broken right now in Jesus' name. I call every person into their season. I pray for a fresh outpouring. I'm believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Holy fire on every part of our lives. We don't want politically correct fire. We don't want Sunday morning fire or normal church service fire. God, we don't want reasonable or manageable fire. We want a historic outpouring of holy fire to fall on our lives and transform everything from Park to Welling, from, from Cape Town to Johannesburg. We don't want fake fire. We don't want cheap fire that draws us away from the real cause, Lord. What our hearts burn for, which is your presence. We want the same fire Moses saw in the burning bush. We want to walk in the same fire that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had no fear of. We want the God who answers by fire like the prophet Elijah called down. So God, would you send your fire again? An irresistible fire. We want to stir up a passionate desire for you within us. Move us in a mighty way. May the seed of this word bring much fruit in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody shouted, Amen, Amen, and Amen. I believe it's time for us to be fueled by fire. A lot of people are fueled by life coaching or people's opinions, which is actually just the fear of man. They feel by success. I've got to gain. I've got to get trophies. A lot of people are fueled by a lot of things. But can I tell you, as someone who's had a lot of that, there's nothing that will give you the type of, of longevity, the type of authority, the type of revelation, like a fiery moment in God's presence. That after that moment when, when you touch his word, you know, it becomes fire in your soul. When you get around people of faith, it's fire in your life. We do not need to be people who are fueled by opinions or popularity or strategy. But we really do need to be the people who are fueled by holy fire. I remember going on a seven-day hike with Jan. I said to her, come, it will be fantastic. It will be awesome. You'll love it. We did the hike called the Amatola. It rained the whole way. And every time I tried and started a fire, tried to get it going, only to look at it a little while later, to see that it had gone out. Wet wood doesn't burn. The flames kept going out. Too many people love catching fire, but they don't know how to keep it. They like getting lit, but they don't know how to stay lit. They like having prophetic words over their life, but they don't like coming under the authority of the prophetic word over their life. They like coming to church, you know, but ask them to serve. No ways. Ask them to give. Never. 
We like conferences, podcasts, YouTube messages. We like tears and joy. But what happens when you leave this building will determine what really got on you and what is on you, what is on you and what is not on you. We're not here just to like swing mud at the wall and, and, and see where it sticks. No. You need to have an encounter with God that fuels your life for the rest of your days. That you will be marked forever. We have to be fueled by fire. And so I want to take you through the scriptures for just a quick moment and show you the significance of fire in the life of a believer. Did you know that fire is God's nature? Fire is a part of who he is. Hebrews 12, 29. For our God is a consuming fire. He doesn't have fire. He is fire. I've got news for somebody today. He doesn't have love. He is love. He doesn't have peace. He is peace. He doesn't have joy. He is our joy. He doesn't have faith. He is faith. He doesn't have righteousness. He is righteousness. And you are probably asking God to give you certain things, but he doesn't have things. He is everything. We live and move and have our being in him. Are you with me? In Revelation chapter 1, verse 14 to 16, I'm paraphrasing because I've got a lot to say today. John had a vision and he wrote that the hair on Jesus' head was as white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fire. Watch this. His face was shining bright like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. Have you ever looked directly into the sun? It blinds you for everything else. John says his face looked like the sun, but he could still make out the fire in his eyes. And God says, you are the apple of my eye. He says he searches the earth to and fro, using his eyes across the earth, looking for a heart that is completely his. It's his nature. Did you know that the word is like a fire? Jeremiah 29. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak anything in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. Do you remember in Luke 24, after the resurrection, Jesus walked on the road to Emmaus with two guys who had no clue who he was. And when they got there, he sat down and had a meal with them, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Right there, they, they, their eyes were opened. And then he got up and he left. And in verse 32, King James says this, and they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. In the Old Testament, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. What was a lamp? What was a lamp in the Old Testament? It's a fire. Did you know that his angels are like fire? Uh, talking of angels in Psalm 104, he makes wings, his messengers, flames of fire, his servants. In 2 Kings 2, Elijah is completely surrounded by an enemy army. But he's not intimidated in any way. But his servant, however, is. He's completely overwhelmed and fears dying. So Elijah prays 2 Kings 16, 17. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And immediately his eyes are opened and he's no longer intimidated and scared because the word says, then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Did you know that people should be on fire? 
It says in John 5.35, John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. Jesus was talking about his covenant, John the Baptist. Luke 12.49 says, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. John 12, uh, Luke 12.35 tells us, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps, the, the lamps, the fire in the altar of your hearts, keep your lamps burning. And so my question today is, do you have that kind of fire? Or is your cell phone the brightest light that you have in your life? Because if you're overwhelmed with anxiety or depression, if you're more impressed with headlines, newsreels, social media feeds, opinion polls, and today's culture is probably because you are not carrying an authentic fire. You've got a Sunday morning fire. And maybe, maybe you've even got a midweek meeting fire. Maybe you've touched your Bible once or twice. But listen to me. Do you have the type of fire that causes you to see his angels sent on your behalf? Do you have the type of fire where you feel it within you that you cannot do anything else but release it? into the world around you? Do you have the type of fire that causes you to radically pray about other people, not about yourself all the time? Because you know that God has got so much for you. Do you have that kind of fire? I know a lot of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Many of you speak in tongues. But if you have no sustaining hunger or passionate desire for God and he has to compete with your next promotion, then you are fueled, I believe, by the wrong thing. And it's not that you don't love him or have turned your back on him. It's just that he doesn't have all of your heart. You've kept back parts and pieces from him. He's not above all. And you mask it well enough. You know how to speak Christianese and all the scriptures can be quoted so that nobody would know the condition of your heart. But listen to me, you are fueled by the wrong thing. It's time for God to dip you into holy fire so that you are forever disrupted, so that you will never be the same again. You know, we don't just need good preaching and you get it here. We don't just need the next song that makes the world worship, and you get it, you. We need a holy fire that erupts on the inside of us. You know, in my life, I don't need one-liners. I don't, you know, need like clicks in my life. I don't need another book. I, I need the fire of Almighty God. I don't want something, you know, trying to put cold water on the flame that God is igniting within me. Friend, if you don't have fire, get out of the way because on this earth, I want to leave a trail of fire wherever I go. God, we need your fire. And God doesn't limit his encounters to encounter night. Yeah, I have to come. We have encounter night, half an hour, hour of worship. We need to come and engage with God and Trust God for fire to fall on us. I'm not talking spooky hype or exaggeration, but I pray you get a touch of God right now that when you go home today, somebody who didn't come with you today and wasn't in church with you today says, you know what, there's something different about you. There's something on your life and it would be a supernatural touch of holy fire. So if we are going to be fueled by fire, I'm going to give you three things that will happen. Number one, are you with me? Taking notes. You won't remember this. Fire will transform you. 
Fire will transform you. Malachi 3 gives us a great picture of this. I'm paraphrasing, but he's saying God's going to come and purify his sons and his daughters, and he's going to use his Holy Spirit to do it. He likens it to a launder soap purifying someone's garments. But more than that, he says, I'm going to take them and purify them like precious metals. He's talking about gold and silver in a refiner's fire. Now, natural gold has copper, zinc, and nickel attached along with other impurities. So if you want to get the highest value for it, you have to give it to a refiner to be refined. And he turns the gold into like lava. And he does it in a fire and adds a separating agent, flux. And, and that can uh, withstand the heat to separate all the impurities. And once the gold is in the fire, the refiner never takes his eyes off of it. Not one time. And so this agent separates the copper and the nickel, which is then removed. And the refiner knows that with every scoop, he's increasing the value of the gold. And do you know how he knows when he's done? When he can see his reflection in the gold. He knows the impurities are out. Have you ever encountered the refiner's fire? Because God has sent his Holy Spirit to separate things from your life. Things that you thought that you needed. I need this so bad. But you don't. Things that devalue addictions and wrong desires. And God will know when he's done with you. Because he will look at you. And you will look just like him. His reflection will be in the gold. And I believe most of us avoid his fire. God don't put me in the fire. Because we are afraid of what will come out in the fire. Listen to me. I've got news for you. What comes out in the fire stays in the fire. Did you hear me? What comes out in the fire stays in the fire. Do you remember in the book of Acts when Paul was shipwrecked and he gathered some brushwood, to, you know, and he went to gather it to put on a fire. A viper had been in the wood and he had been dropped with the wood into the fire. And he was driven out by the heat. And he latched onto the arm of Paul. And he bit him. Do you know what Paul did not do? He did not take out his iPhone 14 and start texting. Oh my God, I can't believe this life of mine. I mean, it totally sucks. I mean, I can't believe this is happening to me. What should I do? Is there a filter for this somewhere that I can just change this? I mean, my life is so pathetic. He didn't do that. The Bible says when the viper latched onto him, he took it, pulled it off his arm and threw it back in the fire because what comes out in the fire stays in the fire. So don't avoid your fires. Can we go a little deeper? You sure? You can't live off somebody else's fire. Second and third hand revelation will cause you to become anemic spiritually. For many people, everything they've got comes from YouTube, a book, what somebody else said, without getting into the fire of God's word themselves. We live in a world that does not have worship endurance. It's amazing how people can barely get through 30 minutes of worship, but they can scroll for four hours on TikTok or YouTube. I don't get it. Where's the fire? If you know more about the Kardashians than you know about Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the chances are you're living off somebody else's fire. 
if you have a favorite preacher but not a favorite scripture, you are living off somebody else's fire. If you can quote somebody's tweets but you can't quote the word of God, then my friend, you are living off somebody else's fire. Amen. Fire is there to transform you. And when you start to feel the heat, you know that shifting and changing and pivoting is going to happen in your life. But too many times we are too churched. We think we are so smart. We're smart enough. We can maneuver God. But what's actually happening is we are causing the flame in our life to go out. So fire will transform you. Number two, fire changes everything. Fire changes everything. Fire never leaves anything the same. When something has been touched by fire, you know it. When lightning strikes a tree, you can see the scorch marks. When a home or a building is damaged by fire, you know because there are burn marks. When someone touches a hot iron or uh, a fire, you know because there is a scar. Fire changes everything, including attitudes, behavior, bad habits, mannerisms, desires. It changes destiny and direction because fire has the final say. Jesus is not just Savior. He's not just your best friend. He is Lord. He is Lord. And he comes with holy fire. And he asks, can I rule and reign in your life? Can I tell you where you're supposed to go? Where you're supposed to study? What you're supposed to give your life to? Can I tell you what job you're supposed to have? How much you must give? How much you should serve? How much you should lay your life down? Fire tells you who to marry and who not to marry. Be at the course. I'm helping some single, single people, single people right now. I had a girlfriend before Jan, but I had a hunger for God. And God said, no. My friend said to me, Mark, are you mad? But listen to me, don't rush into it. You need somebody who runs next to you, someone to challenge you, pray for you, encourage you, someone to sharpen you, correct you, protect you, care for your needs, treat you like a princess or a prince, give their life for you. Hardworking. You don't want a project, you want a partner. And I waited and God gave me my life partner. Praise God. Fire changes everything. And that's true for every situation of your life. Everything that lies before you. Here's the last one. You still with me? Good. The front row is back row. Hallelujah. Spiritual. One day I'm going to take the pulpit, go to the back, preach that way. Hallelujah. Everywhere. Fire needs to be kept alight. Fire needs to be kept alive. When we talk about fire, it's not just how do I get it or how do I keep it. And for the, I would say the more mature in the room, it's also how do I intensify it? How do I grow more on the inside of me? I'll tell you how. I'm paraphrasing this time because I'm going right through Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins. Jesus tells the story of ten virgins. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. All ten recognized that their groom could come at any time, even in the middle of the night. And the foolish ones knew they had to get oil for their lamps so they could light them, but they never did. The wise ones, the Bible said, took oil in jars along with their lamps. So the groom came in the middle of the night. But the foolish ones had no oil to light their lamps. The wise ones had no problem. So the foolish ones asked the wise ones to give them some oil. Verse 9. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. 
And then they say this. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. Go buy some for yourself. The foolish ones had gone to Cape Union Mart and said, I need to see in the dark. Give me one lamp. How much is one lamp? It's this much. Are you sure it's that much? Yes, because I, I don't want to give more than that. I, I don't want to sacrifice or be asked more than Don't come to me afterwards and say it's more than that. So what you're telling me is this is the price for one lamp. Well, this is all you have to pay for just a lamp. Okay, that's good. And they take the lamp and they go home. The wise ones walk into Cape Union Mart, go to the same counter, talk to the same staff member, and they say, I need a lamp and I need as much oil as this will buy me. And they empty out all their savings. This is my story. All right, I'm telling it. I need the one lamp and I need as much oil as I can buy. And they get the lamp and the oil and they go back home. Then 2020 hits. The pandemic spreads. Then offenses come. You lose your job. You lose a loved one. A church member hurts you. You get hurt by another church. Not this one. The foolish group, they bought their lamp and darkness came. When they expected to see in the dark, they weren't able to because of anxiety and depression. The lies of the culture of this age, the Bible says the spirit of this world is blinding the minds to Corinthians 4.4. It is dark and they can't see. Those that bought oil can see in the darkest of the dark. They have peace in the middle of the storm. They both bought lamps, but one bought oil and the other didn't. You have two people sit under the same anointing, experience the same worship, the same message, be prayed for by the same person, stand in the same moment, but one leaves with oil and the other doesn't. And folks, I've watched this over and over. And for me, it's amazing who gets oil and who doesn't. And we won't be able to tell who bought oil in this service today until a storm comes, until Goliath shows up, until a struggle is exposed. It's when, they, it's when you have the opportunity to get back at somebody that we'll find out how much oil you bought. So to go back to the story, the foolish one is panicking. We can't light our lamps. We don't know what we're going to do. You know, Our finances are off track. Our world is going crazy. What are we going to do? You know, I want to go to church, but I feel nothing. I talk to the pastoral staff, I feel nothing. I Google online, and I still feel nothing. I don't know what to do. They can't light their lamp, but they notice that there are some who have a burning lamp and are protected because they've kept the altar of their heart burning. And they say, we want what you have. Give us some of yours. Give us some of your teaching. Give us some of your oil. And the answer was, no, we can't. Go and get some for yourself. And so that poses the question, how do I buy spiritual oil? What currency do you use in the economy of God to buy oil? 
And there's only one. You have to lay down your life. The only way you buy oil is through surrender. Through surrender. That old song, I surrender. I surrender all. If we are going to lean in and move forward into what God has planned and purposed for us for the rest of this year, we cannot bring yesterday's trash, a two-week you know, ago problem that we had, a 40-year-old struggle. There has to be a fresh encounter with God. There has to be a surrender where you stand before God and you say, I surrender all to you. This message is not the reason why you're here today. He's the reason you're here. He's the reason you're here today. You need to come to God and say, God, I'm giving everything to you. My past, my future, my pain. Those things that nobody knows about in your life. Instead of leaving here today and having another Sunday lunch or, or, or binging on TV straight off the church, whatever streaming platform you have, maybe go and find a quiet place, switch everything off maybe, you know, and just go walk along the operating room. I don't know what it is. Go to the end of your garden and just say, God, I'm coming into your presence. I'm in this quiet place. I'm coming before you. You and him and just talk to him intimately. And give him your past and your future. Surrender. Just stay in his presence. Say, God, I'm here. I don't know how to talk to you. It's like weird. I, I, I'm not biblically literate. But God, I just want more of you. I'm standing here. And he will encourage you. He will strengthen you. He will correct you. He will sharpen you. He will discipline you and develop you. He can do it all. So I'm, I'm challenging you today. Surrender to him. That bitterness, that anger, that, that, that whatever you've picked up on the journey of your life. Say, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm placing you above all. God above all. Determined today to surrender to him.